0: Welcome to Bookish Podcast with Kafinel, a podcast about books ish. A quick disclaimer before we start there may be some spoilers, so please save the episode for later if you don't want any. And also, please follow us on social at We Are Bookish Pod. We hope you enjoy. Hello! <laughs> hey girl! I was like, is that going to say hi first or am I going to say yeah. hi first? Yeah, I don't know what I was waiting
1: for. <laughs> I was like, that was me pausing sorry guys
0: hi (laughs) um yeah good morning how are you another episode this is actually our like basically our anniversary episode isn't it
1: it is one year of bookish guys
0: and we're coming in with a good episode hopefully because it's about sally rooney and is it not it's going to be a good episode because it's sally rooney so yeah yeah Everyone's favourite author. That woman gives us so much to dissect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't believe that we've done a whole year of this, of just chatting crap and hopefully people listening. And it's it's been nice. It's been nice to have a creative outlet, I think, to get us through lockdowns and um, to talk to people, people DM us and tell us, like, can you do this book or... Like today my friend so we 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 said that we we're gonna do Sally Rooney, but a few weeks ago my friend had messaged me to say, Have you read Beautiful World? Where are you yet? Is this going to be an episode? Yeah.
0: And it was just so lovely. Yeah, it's so lovely. Like people um people sometimes say to me, Oh yeah, I listen to a podcast and I'm like, What? Did you? Like, oh cool. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: and it's unexpected people as well, like um, uh, my friend, he was like, oh, yeah, I listen to your podcast. You're really cool. Cast really cool. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love that. So thank you. So thank you for being on this journey with us. Thank you so
0: much for listening. We hope to bring you more. And thank you to uh, all the people that I've made follow us when I've been out drunk. <laughs> 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 Apparently, yes. I get people to follow our Instagram page when I'm out. So I think that is just... Hard graft, to be honest, dear.
1: <laughs> um, also, that's a lovely reminder that if you are a listener and you don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook do or any ha- other we, social we do platform, have a Facebook page,
0: guys. But I mean, it's sparse.
1: Oh my God! Someone liked the page the other day, or follow whatever it is that you do on the Facebook page, and that's coming from two people that do social media for a living. Oh, right so
0: relevant now, guys. <laughs> and- <laughs>
1: I got very excited. I was like, "Oh, we!" Uh, I'm not going to bore you with it, but you have to have one essentially if you have a creators account or a business account. So the idea is that we just have it set up there, but we don't actually put that much content on there. But given that people are now liking it, we are going to show it a bit more. Oh, and my mum
0: likes every post, so
1: yes. So um we we will think that about that, but that is a nice reminder. If you don't follow us on socials, then please go to We Are Bookish Pod. That's on every that's the handle on everything. And give us a follow because you'll get updates as to when an episode is coming, if things are a bit late, what we're doing, what we're reading. Um so yeah. Awesome.
0: Cool. Well, yeah. What have you been what, up to? What have you been up to this week? Oh, Oh, oh. look at us. <laughs> Well, wow. Ellie's really happy because I finally watched Eternals, so we can talk about it, because it's not on Disney Plus guys. Um Oh my god, Disney Plus coming through with the with the goods, it saved my life. Yeah, it's so good because like all the films come out and you're like, yay. Um but I didn't like it, so that's my hot take. Um I just think compared to other mm-hmm. Marvel movies, it just was a bit disappointing. Um and a bit a bit flat. Some of the characters were really cool, but yeah, that's... I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I think you probably have to watch it to understand the following films. Like, I think it's going to be an important, like, need to watch this to understand stuff that happens later on. But... I think the appreciation for the film will come
1: a long time after. So I think it's beautifully shot. I think Chloe Zhao is a great director. I don't know that she quite got the balance for a cast as big as this. And I don't quite think that, that the chemistry between all the actors quite worked i said this some time ago that i could do without having big name actors in marvel movies and i could do without having harry styles as like oh i'm going to be eros famous block i don't need harry styles in the mc sorry to any ha- harry styles fans out there i just don't care yeah he's got good music but i just don't care but like, like also it's not only... it's not a draw it's
0: not a, it's not a he's not he was his acting in that short 30 seconds was crap sorry lovely Harry but it wasn't great well it'd be
1: interesting because he's going to be in My Policeman um, with Florence Pugh this year because oh, think yeah. it's come out so it'll be interesting I don't he's, he must have acted before because I don't feel like that was his debut into anything
0: he'll be a triple threat you know at theatre school yeah <laughs> Oh, what's (laughs) it? That's like a massive thing in one of... Is it in High School Musical when they're like, I'm a triple threat? (laughs) (laughs) He can sing, he can dance, and he can
1: act? What? I just... Yeah, I understand what you're saying. There's this... I showed you, I sent it to you, that meme... Yeah. ...where it's like, expectation for reality, and they did it for Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man, and they went home. I think also Eternals came for me at a point where I had Marvel fatigue... Mm. um and I spoke to a friend about it who works on Disney accounts and I was just like I've got Marvel fatigue (laughs) I need them to slow down like I don't need this much content but I said that I said that at that time before Spider-Man happened and that is a phenomenal movie
0: yeah I mean phenomenal that was fantastic but yeah you need to go. You
1: need. I would go to the cinema and go see it. Like that's my hot take. That's actually worth spending money at the cinema for. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Okay. I ju- I just haven't mentioned cinema because of like, I don't
1: know.
0: COVID. Yeah. Um. I'm not against it, but like I'm not against going because of COVID. But I just like you know we were just like oh I'd rather. You know we were just like I don't know something. Yeah. I, just haven't been. <laughs> I uh, it
1: it was yeah. Marvel, yeah. Eternals, I don't know. I liked the the com- the um the relationship between Druig and the girl that can run really fast. I thought they had great chemistry. I bought into that. The thing
0: with, um I've forgotten her name. See, none of them is. I literally watched child. it last night and I can't remember. Spike is a small child. But I can't remember. Sprite, like, Sprite, of- Sprite. Sprite. See, I didn't even get it right. That's how she... I know Cersei and Icarus. That's it. He flew too close to the sun. Yeah, oh, my God. Uh, when that happened, I was like, for goodness sake. That made me roll my eyes. I was like, well, of course, he's Icarus. Of course he did. Like...
1: The thing is, right, I've seen Richard Madden and Gemma Chan on press tours. I've seen them on red carpets. And I see the chemistry, but when it was on screen and in the film, I was like, OK. And then they didn't have... Um, her boyfriend, on that, like, he literally was there at the beginning to go, So, why didn't you stop Thanos? And then he was at the end when he was getting his, like, um, he was getting like the blade from what, his, incest- his
0: ancestral was was blade her, with wasn't... blade in the background. Yeah, he was about to tell her, he was like, gonna say, like Oh, my, fa- I haven't, I've got a secret too about my family history. And then she got stolen by, I, think, I think, what's the guy, what's the big, the big. Being, the Celestial's
1: name. Oh, I've forgotten He's, like, one of the important... Not Jeremiah, the judge.
0: Um, Athena or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, she got taken by him and then he didn't tell her and then there was the little end credit scene with him.
1: So, yeah. It just I just needed him to be in it. If he's going to be in it, then... I just don't think the balance was right. But, yeah, int- I, I do think it was beautifully shot. I think there are too many big name actors. I think it is going to be, it will be important. I do think the fighting scene. I think people scenes... have an appreciation.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, sorry. Oh well, no! I just think there will be an appreciation for it after, a long time after. Yeah. As to how good the movie actually is. But yeah.
0: the, what was you saying about the fighting scene? I just thought they were quite actually good. they were quite good. Yeah. They were probably some of the better scenes. There was one bit, though, that really made me jump. Like, I think um, Cersei was talking to Icarus, and he was like, I care about you and all this crap. And then, like, out of nowhere, one of the deviants came. And honestly, I literally jumped up. Like, I was was lying, I was watching in bed, and I sort of, like, literally, like, jumped up. Because it made me jump so much. I was like, oh, my God. Even though I knew that was going to happen, because, like, it was, like forewarned but like i just just (laughs) jumped so much (laughs) do you know you know what's a great deleted
1: scene um that they didn't include well because it's a deleted scene um in infinity war when they're going to get um vision Mm. you know they're in scotland yeah and like that's when captain america comes back and they meet up with wonder and vision but before that but when thanos's guys come to get him there's this deleted scene where it's really haunting and if anyone's seen it they'll know it's like they do this they make this noise with their staff and you can hear them but you can't see them and it's like a game of like um hide and seek trying to avoid them although you can hear them get closer you don't know where they are and it's honestly one of the best I was so sad to hear to know that they cut that but it they said they cut it because it slowed down the pace of the movie but I'll share it with you because it's honestly just like it gives you chills because you know the bad guy's there but you don't know where he is and they play this game of like cat and mouse and then they go into what it is that we see that made the final cut it's just so fantastic if you can dig it out it's that bit when they're in scotland and they're looking for vision before captain america jumps off on screen okay cool we love you chris
0: evans oh my god right we have to change the subject before ellie talks about chris evans half an hour <laughs> <laughs> let's go um but yeah uh sally rooney
1: yeah, guys. So we we're going to talk about beautiful world. Where are we? Where are you? Where Where, where today?
0: are we? Where are you? Where <laughs> is the world? Which is, a, which
1: is a which is a question I ask myself every day. I go on Twitter.
0: What is happening?
1: Who? What? When? Where? Why, why is the? You know, when you just think, oh, the world can't get any worse than this, and then <laughs> you literally it's an hour on Twitter, and you're like,
0: oh, there it goes. Oh no, Twitter. There it is.
1: Yeah, I have to avoid Twitter frequently. It's a cesspit. It's the best and worst place on the internet.
0: Have you seen that? Um, no, I saw this tweet the other day. It was something like Instagram is for celebrities or something, and yes! is for the streets or something.
1: Yes, yeah, yes. I, I think you. I was like, what? Wow. Kind of Instagram is for celebrities. It's hard out there on those Twitter streets. They ain't made for everybody. oh funny but
0: yeah and what's great is Gen Z are
1: on sorry you go I was gonna say that's great because you know what we say that and Gen Z aren't even on any of those they're on fucking TikTok
0: yeah they truly are but um I think it would have been interesting if the characters tweeted actually in this novel I think they would have had some existential crises on Twitter and then delete it an hour
1: later. <laughs> delete,
0: tweet.
1: They strike me as the millennials that don't have social media because uh, why would you? That's that's the impression
0: i got. Oh, like, fine, don't have social media if you don't want it or whatever. But like, you know, when people don't have social media and then they talk about it all the time, how they don't have social media. I'm like, you sure you don't want social yeah. media? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're missing out. Yeah, like fair enough. Don't do it. Whatever. Whatever switch play, that's fine. But also, you sure? (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: like I only have social media for my job, and it's like,
0: yeah, but doesn't stop you from
1: going on there, does it, (laughs) Kathy?
0: Kathy, hey, don't use my name in there. Oh, sorry, (laughs) Dad. But yeah, so what did you think about the book in general? I, because so as
1: you all know, if you've listened to our normal people episode, I did not like normal people at all. And I know that n- people love normal people, but I wasn't one of those people. Um, because people. I struggled, I struggled with the characters, and not like these characters in this book are any more likeable, they're not. But I just felt like Marianne was holding Connell back. Connell was a better character without Marianne. I just didn't understand Marianne. But Sally Rooney is a fantastic writer, so it kept me gripped. I just didn't enjoy the book. I actually really liked this, and I think maybe because it's speaking to me now as someone who is of the same age as these people, Mm -hmm. that sometimes she says stuff and you're like, oh, you shouldn't say that, and then you go, but I kind of think that way um because it is trying to find a beauty in the world where there is no evident beauty right Mm. um so I did like this I did like this more than I liked better than I liked normal people but that's not to say that that there are things that didn't there are some things where I was just like ah I called you, I texted you and I was just like I feel too dumb to read Sally Weeney sometimes and I don't think I'm particularly like I'm not saying I'm the smartest person in the room, I know I'm not, but I'm also like fucking hell
0: You're smart girl
1: <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like I need a dictionary and an encyclopedia. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, so yeah, so I enjoyed it. Like, I did like reading it. I read it on holiday. And, like, I do like these kind of books, like, when it's, like, all about the characters, like, etc. So I enjoyed it. But I found it, some of the letters, honestly a bit pretentious. Like, I get what they were trying to do. And I think they do do it in that they bring up, like, important topics in society. They bring up some philosophy. philosophy. Why can't I say that word? Philosophy. Some philosoph- philosophical debates, thank you. I would only coffee. Guys. Um, oh, god, yes, coffee. I know. Um, yeah, they bring up some philosophical debates, and like I get that they make it, they make the book being about where's the beautiful world, like what's going on in the world, kind of thing. So I get that, but I just think some of the letters were just really like try hard pretentious like they were just like trying to get in all these debates and all these topics that were like like highly like quite like highbrow stuff like you know like you like like what you just said about I text you saying oh I feel like I'm too stupid to read this kind of thing which is ridiculous yeah. because if, like you're so clever so like it shouldn't be it shouldn't make you feel like that Do you know what I mean it probably makes a lot of people feel like that yeah. so that's the only issue I had with it and i felt like she maybe overdid that slightly i think it's some of the letters were great and other letters i think just went on a bit and like i was like all right let's get back to the plot shall we like maybe some of it could have been woven into the plot a little bit more because it was kind of like here's the plot now you have a few pages of this philosophical debate now back to the plot do you know what i mean yeah yeah
1: and i mean some of it did work for the plot so when she talked about um and we'll get to it she was talking about having children or the thought of having kids and then we obviously get to where she ends up at the end of the novel yeah but I uh, but there were some bits i think she talked talking about some sort of like greek myth or i uh, i she she lost she lost me <laughs> <laughs> some of the time i was like
0: huh uh-huh. <laughs> what i'm a <laughs> loses me every time i'm like
1: I find, I find Greek mythology really interesting, but I, I don't know if she just... Yeah, oh, I'd too, have too, but like, it. she it's a lot. About...
0: Like, if you don't know enough about it, then, like, if you don't know loads, it can get confusing quite quickly, I think. I was
1: just like, oh, we were talking about something, we were talking about climate crisis, and now we've gone to this story about some Greek... And I
0: was like, What's it the Icarus? Did he fly too close to the
1: sun? <laughs> 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 Oosh. Oosh. <laughs> but um some of the stuff that she writes in the letters i i found um to be quite not quite close to, well not well yeah close to home just given how things the state of the political scene in the united kingdom and stuff like that she talks politics yeah very early on in the book which I, and she makes a point i think it's on page 16 where she says i've been thinking lately about right-wing politics haven't we all and how that how it is that conservatism, the social force, came to be associated with a rapacious market capitalism. The connection is not obvious, at least to me, since markets preserve nothing but ingest all aspects of existing social landscape and excrete them, shorn of meaning and memory as transactions. What could be conservative about such a process? But it also strikes me that the idea of conservatism is in in itself false because nothing can be conserved as such. Time moves in one direction only, I mean. And I just thought, yes, that is very true. I think <laughs> yes, over the last. I agree. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. I think we've seen over the last four, five six, since 2016. Because I have no idea. I've got no concept for time. This struggle with, um, uh, I guess, right wing. Not a struggle, but we've seen a lot more right wing fascism. We've seen a lot more um, conservative politics play in a way that i think i've always wondered how fiscally and socially they've become aligned because i do think that they butt heads and i think at least here in the uk where we've needed people to be um not not to fall in line but to to be uh well, we've had to deliver a message where people can come together and be more community-minded mm. uh, for the greater good. That's been a struggle with the ideals of wanting to better oneself, and I, I, they don't—they don't work. No. And it's funny because then she talks about nostalgia in one of the later on, and we talk about this in the Brit Bennett book, right? So in when we did the vanishing half, we said we went to Brit Bennett's talk, and she said that she. The Trump era brought up this, this this idea of nostalgia and what it used to be like mm. and how life used to be easy. There was a time when this wasn't this, and we need to get back to that. And I think that side of politics or that sort of um, play to that to people to people more on those thoughts and ideas. So she goes, um, uh, this nostalgic. Uh, do, 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 The nostalgic impulse is, of course, extremely powerful and has recently been harnessed to great effect by reactionary fascist political movements, but I'm not convinced that this means that the impulse itself is intrinsically fascistic. I think it makes sense that people are looking back wistfully to a time before the natural world started dying, before shared cultural forms degraded into mass marketing, and before cities and towns became anonymous employment hubs. And it's it's just interesting because she says... look back on nostalgia but then and that's what social conservatism is but then when you look at it fiscally it's though it's that want to build employment hubs and and be more of a capitalistic market that's at odds with what tradition was yeah so I just I found it really interesting um yeah
0: yeah yeah I know what you mean like it's like that it doesn't really match up
1: yeah and i think it's good to talk politics it, i'm not we're not gonna i'm not gonna label the point here today but um because even even to take a stance that you are not political is a political yeah, stance because if
0: you can afford to be apolitical which you can't no one can actually afford to be apolitical because politics affects everyone then yes every corner of your life yeah then but it's quite a privileged i think it's quite a privileged position to be like well, not always, but some, sometimes I think some people are like, well, I don't really care about politics because nothing's, like, directly, directly impacted them. Do you know what I mean? Not always. Sometimes, Like, people can be apolitical in all walks of life, but I feel like some t- some of the but people but it, that it, I've come across that are apolitical, I'm like,
1: hmm. But it does. That street, like, the taxes, rising, the raising of um, welfare, the ULES or whatever, that's
0: all Politics, you co- all... hold on, just pause you Les, right? Really confusing, because my dad doesn't need to pay it in his car. And I was just a 100 percent sure that he would do, and I'm so confused. like I feel like sorry, but you les I'm um, <laughs> baffled by it. <laughs>
1: I think everyone is everyone's like is my car ULEs
0: compliant yeah, and then no, you think what? a car that you think would be isn't and the car that is also, like, is not ULEs just sounds horrible like could they not have thought of a better name obviously I know it's ultra low emission zone by the way guys this is the ultra low emission zone in London that has expanded to pretty much everywhere now so
1: yeah, yeah. they just want you to buy new cars basically and that's... spend more money
0: basically it's just a money and thing and spend more money also how the hell does yeah. TFL not have money <laughs> that's what I want to know <laughs>
1: Oh, well, if you go and look at to our good friend um, in in uh, who's having garden parties at the moment, that is why.
0: Ooh. Anyway, back to the book. <laughs> um, Might be a dangerous path it, for us to that. go now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so.
1: I actually think they've been made a fool of um, by this government, no matter where they sit politically.
0: Yeah, you know that. You know that trend on Instagram that's like, Mm. where were you on the 20th of May, 2020? The only picture I have in my camera roll from that day is a picture of me wearing a mask at the supermarket.
1: Yeah, so for anyone that's like not in the United Kingdom right now, um, but might even just see the UK play out on the world stage, um, our government is very much like an episode of Gossip Girl every day.
0: The new secret
1: is revealed every day. Ah, XOXO gossip. Honestly, who are these whistleblowers?
0: Like, who is Gossip Girl? Who is Gossip Girl? I want to know who Gossip Girl is. Basically, um, Dom Lever, he was like a Love Island contestant. He was like, who is this whistleblower or something? He wrote a really funny tweet about it. Like, (laughs) who is this person? I want to talk to him. (laughs) It's
1: like, it's like equal parts infuriating and entertaining at the same time. And I mean, entertaining in the sense that the stuff that the tweets that people have come out with, like, um, I guess is it's been quite funny, even though actually what's going on is very, 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 very disheartening, maddening, frightening, makes people angry, like, I think everyone is pretty on the, much on the same page about what is going yeah. on right now, no matter where you fall politically. And so I guess it speaks to this book very well. It's just it's trying to find the beauty and the little things in, in life and then trying to find, like, how do you find good within everything that feels so murky and mucky? Yeah.
0: I would say, like, actually, I have at times found Twitter quite reassuring in the pandemic mm-hmm. at times I found it quite toxic but at times you know if there's been an announcement and everyone just goes to twitter and it's it's been quite um reassuring that people feel the same as me about stuff yeah um but yeah so yeah it does it does relate to this book and that's why I think these characters should have had twitter yeah I think <laughs> so they I do Sally Rooney. They Babe, just... Loved the book, but gotta say, I think you need a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you would
1: hate it here. <laughs> um yeah. The other thing that I found quite interesting was there was a letter that um so we'll get to like the characters properly, but there was a letter that one of the girls had sent to another. Alice had sent to Eileen had sent to Alice about Simon and his dedication to the church to being catholic to being having unwavering faith that i thought was um really interesting because i'd seen someone so as you know i went to church we spoke about this because there was a i sang a hymn once upon a time on this episode
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course we know about it because you sang something for god's sake i
1: went to church for the social setup. up i swear to god like i i don't know where I, I don't know where my faith lies i think i'm a spiritual person but i don't know where that spiritualness lies i do enjoy hmm. the stories in the bible though i think that um, especially the Old Testament. Those stories are good. Yeah, blood, and, <laughs> blood and stone and whatever, fire and brimstone. Like I, I quite enjoyed the stories, but um, I used to go to church with a girl uh, when we were younger. And so <laughs> I remember she would be like, do you want to come to church with me on a Sunday? But then I wouldn't, she didn't like invite me to guides. So and my mum was like, if she's not going to invite you to guides with the other girls and you're a group of four and you hang out, then you are not going to church with her on Sunday my principal although she knew that they wouldn't the other girls I wouldn't mean, go Pam's to got church a point. yeah Pam's got a point hi mum um <laughs> <laughs> but where's I guess my I don't know what my faith I don't really know how my faith or what my faith was at that age and as I've gone older I know that it might not actually really lie in the uh, Christian church I'm not sure but hers has grown stronger and I see her post stuff on like uh, Instagram about her forever. and I think she's really come into her own on that because mm. there was a period you know as we are in your twenties when you go to festivals and you go traveling and stuff like that and she never really spoke about it but now I think she just lives in it unconditionally yeah. and she she's like shows it and I thought that was quite nice and she just remind like that girl reminds me of Simon like I have a lot of respect for her and her unwavering faith and like I wish I could have the same I just found
0: yeah I had a really good friend at at uni actually um and I was also quite jealous that they were just so sure about stuff because Mm -hmm. they were like well God set me on the right path and I was like I wish I was that sure about things honestly like I was quite jealous about it at times especially you know when you're like 20 and you're scared about everything. Like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, it's true. <laughs>
0: Although, like, there's still there's, there's still a way to go. It's my
1: friends, my friends getting married in July. God, I can't get that wrong again. I got it wrong once. I was like, "Are you August or July?" And she was like, "Oh my God, L, like you're my bridesmaid. It's July." I was like, "Oh, you're the
0: July <laughs> bridesmaid." Oh, my God. Babe.
1: It's because their weddings have switched. So, two of my good friends in our in our school in our school group are getting married and because of the pandemic they've obviously had to change their weddings and every time they've changed their weddings it's swapped. So whoever was first was then behind and whoever's back and they're literally a month apart and the dates are so similar oh. that I got confused. I was like, I can't remember that now I know when she's getting married. Um, she said that they're getting really ma- married in this small village but it's like a small village where they're like, oh no, not women vicars. <laughs> But you're like, oh god. She oh,
0: like, wow. Town's a little bit. She's like, the town's a little bit slow. And it's that would have been a good the woman vicar thing would have been a good thing for them to discuss in this book. Yes. Yes. Wouldn't it? Yeah. That would have been a good did they? No, they didn't. No, they, they didn't, didn't. I no, they, they didn't. did. But that would have been a really interesting thing for her to weave into it. Because like, yeah, I would have been interested to see if she like fell out with Simon over it yeah right it was just really interesting mm. like it's just really
1: interesting like obviously it's just set in its ways and its traditions and some things don't move on with modern society and stuff like that but well, that's part that's part of the problem, it's problem, problem like, yeah yeah like yeah we won't get too deep into that but, but it was interesting yeah. she was just like oh i think she goes to that she because obviously if you're getting married in a church you need to then go to the church um
0: yeah. I yeah. think
1: she's just really she's like I'm really struggling <laughs> it's really testing my faith right now just really? so yeah like the the little Britanness, little briness of it all is like really challenging like it's her like right a now. Ta- yeah. yeah but um yeah it's it's funny <laughs> but interesting also
0: yeah um yeah I guess like there's like so in the letters there's stuff about politics there's stuff about religion there's stuff about climate change absolutely ap- yeah the climate change stuff freaked me out actually i had to sort of like erase that from my memory i'm a bit at the point that i'm at with climate change mentally is like i can't engage because it just really stresses me out and i do my bit like i am like more and more and more conscious of the way i live Mm. but like i don't really eat meat anymore like that sort of thing but did you watch i can't engage with it because it freaks me out did you watch Don't don't look up on netflix no i haven't seen it yet oh is it going to freak me out? No, it's not going to freak you out.
1: Basically, it's it's like the perfect retelling of exactly what the climate crisis is, but okay. Um, but they've done it in a way. So basically, it's about these like scientists that discover that a meteor is going to hit the Earth, and so they're doing their best to tell like all of the important people oh, in yeah. charge that that it's coming, and they don't listen. But they don't listen.
0: This just a thing, right? I think I'm quite well-educated on stuff now, so I try not to engage because for my mental health, I just find it quite like, oh, we're all doomed. It's quite... <laughs> and I'm like,
1: yeah. I, mean, I was going to say, it's quite it's quite funny. It's like, it's satirical and it's a comedy, but also it's very serious because the yeah. allegory is like, actually, like, look at what you need to pay attention. But they have like... I need to watch it. Go watch it because we were sat there going, oh my God, this is so true. Oh my god! Like I
0: watched this um, this thing about this guy. Um, it was like a BBC drama about this guy. It was a, based on true thing that happened. He like basically predicted climate change. Yeah, and then people discredited his work and said that he'd made up the statistics, but he hadn't. And he basically like lost everything. Like he lost his job. Like he was all over the press. And like he literally he didn't make it up. Like can't remember who what his name was but yeah so like yeah but anyway so yeah so there's climate change um and then there's like she talks about like um contemporary novels and stuff doesn't she
1: yeah i was gonna Um, i was just gonna say before we get to that because you know how you said that you can engage like you find it hard to engage in the climate crisis stuff yeah you know where um so there's this whole section where she's talking about like victims and oppressors and, and those frameworks which i didn't particularly agree with because I think it's easy for her to say that as the character maybe who hasn't Mm -hmm. as she has to face a barrier of being a woman yes but as a person of color no and those she says like what did she say in this framework relations between victim and oppressor, not historical so much as theological, but it it is historical because those frameworks and structures stay in place to keep people in those things. And I don't think that people, she sets up this binary of like, so the only apparent schema is that for every victim group, people born into poor families, women, people of color, there's an oppressor group, people born into rich families, men, white women, white women, not white women, white people. Um, (laughs) <laughs> sorry oh Freudian slip no it's not <laughs> yeah um, <Come> <laughs> um and she goes it, our discourse is devoted to sorting individuals into their proper groups which is to say giving them their proper moral reckoning but I think that you can't you can't not look at the frameworks and structures that have been put no. in place because they exist today in how things are done so if you look at for example and then well I'm not going to go back to that but like there's that t- that tweet that was going around about how they treated the police who treated the women at the protest or server ever up the protest but the vigil and then how things have been looked at for this these garden parties and that's only because those structures are in place that yeah that that can exist but then she makes this even greater so i don't think that's right but then she goes on to say if serious political action is possible which i think this point at this point is an open question maybe it would won't involve people like us in fact i think it's almost certainly it won't and frankly if we have to go to our desk for the greater good of humankind i'll accept that like a lamb because i haven't deserved this life or even enjoyed it And you know how it's like really catastrophic you know and it's like i if i can't engage in this then i've just sent me to my death <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you okay honey yeah. you
1: know it's just like I can't deal with it because it's too much it. <laughs> you know but so it just it just made me laugh because you know when just like the climate change thing is a bit too much for me to handle and then in this book she's just like I can't handle it it's too much send me to my death for the greater humankind and I'm like
0: oh <laughs> it's extreme. yeah yeah also when I say I can't handle it like I obviously do no obviously yeah I mean- you're engaged but like just not too much because otherwise I get a bit yeah.
1: like Ooh. you're aware of <laughs> what's
0: going on you're not ignorant to the
1: fact of that there is this stuff going on you do but uh, sometimes it's like when you the overload of, of the information can be it's a lot for one person to feel like they're responsible for the for the whole of humanity yeah, it's true we got to cut yeah. ourselves some slack but yes the contemporary novel <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, have you got the passage? Uh, Yeah, go on, explain it while I find it. So, basically, she says something along the lines of, like, writing... Like, the problem with the contemporary novel is that, like, it doesn't talk about any big thing in society because if it did, then you wouldn't care about whether the characters, like, got together or not at the end, basically. That's, like, long story short. But I just so disagree with that because... There's two things that I feel like I get out of reading and that I think about books. They either, the book will either teach me something or give me a different perspective on life or it will be an escape for me and it will help me relax. Mm. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with the book not addressing big issues in society if it helps you relax because we need escapism. Like, the whole point is that there's a lot going on in the world, so we do need that escapism. And also, a lot of books... and then But I also disagree with it because a lot of books do address big things in society and they are sometimes quite hard to read and they are about more than like will they won't they get together and a lot of books have taught me a lot like I've read a lot of books in the last couple of years that have taught me a lot of things that I wouldn't have learned otherwise Mm. because they've addressed big issues in society
1: yeah I think um books also give yeah they open up a world to you that you wouldn't necessarily have come into contact with either So,
0: yeah, especially, especially as a white woman, I feel like a white, straight, cis woman, I feel like there's a lot for me to learn. And I learn a lot of it from books. So... I don't agree with that, saying that it doesn't, that it doesn't address stuff, because it does. <laughs> so I
1: found the passage.
0: She said, The problem with the contemporary Euro-American
1: novel is that it, repel- it relies for its structural integrity on suppressing the lived realities of most human beings on Earth to confront the poverty and misery in which millions of people are forced to live, to put the facts of that poverty, that misery, side by side with the lives of the main characters of a novel, would be deemed either tasteless or simply artistically unsuccessful. Who can care, in short, what happens to the novel protagonist when it's happening in the context of the increasingly fast, increasingly brutal exploitation of the majority of the human species? OK, so like climate change. Uh, do protagonists break up or stay together in this world? What does it matter? So the novel works by suppressing the truth of the world, packing it tightly down underneath the glittering surface of the text. And we can care once again, as we do in real life, whether people break up or stay together. If only, if and only if we have successfully forgotten about all the things more important than that, i.e., everything. And then she goes on saying, "Is it not my own work? Is my own work is is it goes without saying the worst culprit in this regard. For this reason, I don't think I'll ever write a novel again." (laughs) And then I was like, "Sally Rooney."
0: Sally, is that you? you Okay. (laughs) I want to really reach out to her. <laughs> oh, but yeah, but I don't. It can, like. I think I still. In novels that I've read where there's been, like, stuff about, like, Brexit or whatever, like, I've still cared about whether the characters got together at the end or not. Yeah. I just, I just disagree with that in so many ways.
1: <laughs> it works on two levels, right? It's the greater society and the greater good and the greater world and the world is a lot more is a lot smaller than it was 56 years ago because we have the internet so things that are happening in other parts of the world we have more accessibility to we have more knowledge right so there's that mm. and then there's your immediate world right the people that are your day-to-day the people that you care about your friends and family um and your podcast co-host your podcast co-host <laughs> <laughs> your work colleagues your neighbors uh the 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 immediate and then the the stuff that comes with it but I was just like yeah well is she okay because I feel like her views on the contemporary novel and there's another passage in here as well where she talks about it well like, it, is that is that Sally is that you <laughs>
0: Yeah, because I do feel like the main character Alice, she, she's a writer, and I, I, you were saying this. I think maybe Sally Rooney's saying a little bit about her life as a writer because she, she is super famous, but super famous without actually promoting herself that mm-hmm. much. Like if you could compare it to other some other authors that are quite active on social and stuff, she doesn't have social accounts, I don't think. Or at least they're like very. They might be managed by her publishers or whatever. She definitely doesn't have Instagram.
1: No, but she's one yeah. of those not. She's one of those thirty-year-olds that don't. That don't but, have oh social gosh, media
0: because everyone ta- everyone talks about her anyway. She
1: so, so. I just found a passage which goes: What is the relationship of the famous author to their famous books anyway? If I had bad manners and was personally unpleasant and spoke with an irritating accent, which, in my opinion, is probably the case. Would it have anything to do with my novels? Of course not. The work would be the same, no different. And what do books gain by being attached to me, my face, my mannerisms and all of their demoralising specificity? Nothing. So why... Why is it done this way? Whose interest does it serve? It makes me miserable, keeps me away from one thing in my life that has any meaning, contributes nothing to the public interest, satisfies only the basest and most purest curiosities, and serves to arrange literary discourse entirely around the domineering figure of the author, whose lifestyle and lifestyle and idiosyncrasies must be picked over in lurid detail for no reason."
0: She's definitely, definitely talking about herself. She's exhausted. Leave her alone. Guys, leave Sally Rooney really alone. <laughs> um, but let's
1: talk about the characters a bit more because we, we sort of spoke around the letters, but there's four characters. Alice and, si- Alice and Eileen, Simon and Felix. Alice and Eileen are good friends from university, friends from college. Uh, Simon and Eileen are friends from home. And Felix is a guy that Alice met on Tinder. And it's their Alex love Felix, story. Big
0: up Felix.
1: I love it. He stirred the pot and I loved it. I needed that. I, I needed ask, that.
0: Yeah, I liked it. He was like, yeah, a much more like normal character. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I had to ask Ellie. I was like, do people even use Tinder anymore? But apparently they do. She's not in London. So yeah. Yeah, because so I was like, Why did she choose Tinder of all apps? (laughs) But apparently people use it, so yeah. Fine. Yeah, so I mean,
1: in our bubble in London, I don't think I know anyone that does, but I do know that, for example, I have friends that live not in London that do use Tinder. So but it was just interesting to go on.
0: I was just gonna say, I went on a date with a guy once. We ended up like just being friends, right? And well we're not really friends, but Yeah, he was like, yeah, I use like Bumble, Hinge and Tinder and I just sort of like cycle through them. Like, and I just sort of pause one and then use the other, pause one, use the other. And I was like, things I didn't need to know about you, that. (laughs) Uh, Stop. Thanks for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) But you know how we were talking
1: about alternative dating apps um, some time ago? There was, and I think it's this genius. There was, if you I've sent it to you. There was a billboard, a guy put out a billboard and it said, help me, I don't want an arranged marriage, something like that. And there was like a link to a website that people could follow to submit their like applications to date this guy if they were interested. And it's had like a thousand applications. um, and There's this like website. It's, It's just like, interesting he was just like you know i'm like getting older i want to settle down doing the apps doing going via family stuff like that hasn't worked out for me so i've taken a stand like 2022 might be my year and it will only be my year if i make things happen and so i put up a billboard poster within in london in birmingham to get people to you know if they're interested in me reach out be nice to meet people as a way of meeting people because it is harder to meet people as you get older um He's got a good PR person, that's all I'm That saying. was a fantastic way to meet people, and I'm not going to put myself on a billboard, but if I wanted, if I, I would consider it, I'd consider that before I went on Tinder.
0: Wow. Okay, yeah. that's how we feel about Tinder, guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, I haven't used Tinder since, like, 2016. I used it once, so, I think, in yeah. and someone accused me of being
1: a catfish, and I was like, "That is the end of my Tinder experience."
0: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so so Alice meets Felix on Tinder, which like I like that aspect because he just sort of like adds an added layer to the book. Like their there will they won't there is quite interesting. Like she's sort of in self-destruct. Um, And he is, they're both, they're both a little bit lost, aren't they? And they don't really help each other that much, but they sort of are both lost and that they find like solace in that, don't they? Yeah.
1: It's funny because I think when I was reading up on like some people's like commentary on it afterwards, you have like Alice and Simon who are very, they're more closed off as people. So then they might not speak about how they feel or what's on their mind as easily or as openly as Eileen and Felix. Um. Yeah. Who who do. And... Opposites attract. The opposites attract. And it was... They do have a really interesting dynamic because Felix w- is not in awe of Alice. And he tells her, like, it is maybe a little bit too close to the bone.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's that nice. Like, th- there are instances where the characters aren't very nice to each other.
1: Yeah, like, quite ho- um, horribly so. Like, aggressively horribly yeah. so.
0: Which... I think Sally really does that quite well, though. Like, having characters that do have flaws and are nasty to each other. Yeah. Like... And it happens.
1: Um, I, th- I think there's gone... Yeah. yeah.
0: But... Yeah, I think their... Well, they won't know is a bit better than... Eileen and Simon's ball, they won't know irritated me slightly. Oh, tell me. Artist do like, tell. Guys. Oh, why? Just get on with it. Just get on with it. You know? it's like marianne and connell in 10 years oh, time oh no! oh that's what's gonna happen no, I, I didn't like at the time i was like fine but like i don't know like reflecting on it i'm like oh, for God's sake. yeah because bit, like in eternals when surfy and icarus are like oh, i love you so much but i can't be with you and it's just like oh, guys stop, and you know i'm a hopeless romantic and if i'm saying this then other people probably think it too. stop wasting
1: people's time it's the most irritating thing on the earth we know that you want to be with each other the way that eileen could be so open about wanting stuff and then couldn't just say that i want you simon which is all that he was like trying to say
0: yeah I just like that's what he wanted he was like you don't actually want me you want the idea of me or whatever and i was like yeah to be fair she's never actually said like i like you to him she acts like she doesn't but she's in love with him and then they end up together at the end and I'm like, okay, so Sally Rooney's chosen a happy ending this time. <laughs> I needed that because I hated I hated that oh it's like Marianne and Connor are obviously
1: going to be in each other's I really lives. needed it. <laughs> and I was just like, well it's interesting because these this is one of the points that we talk about earlier. So in a lot of the existential crisis that is the letters, they do talk about um, more meaningful thing meaningful things that might affect them in their daily life. But I can't find it now. Oh, there we go. She's talking, in this section, on page 41, she's talking about um, procreating, having kids. So she goes, As <laughs> a-
0: <laughs> why did she say I procreating? <laughs>
1: <creating>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, making me feel well smart. I'm saying big words. I'm an idiot. I'm such a dick. Sorry. <laughs> that was really funny. She goes, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm a dickhead, guys. Sorry. Um, as a teenager, I thought I would rather die than have babies. And in my 20s, I vaguely assumed it was something that would just happen to me eventually. And now that I'm, I'm about to turn 30, I start I'm starting to think, well, there isn't anyone queuing t- up to help me fulfill this biological function, needless to say. And I also have this weird and completely unexplained suspicion that I might not be fertile. There's no medical reason for me to think this. I mentioned it to Simon recently in the course of complaining to him about my various other substantiated medical anxieties, and he said he didn't think I needed to worry about that one because, in his opinion, I have a fertile look. I laughing because
0: I randomly sometimes am just like... I'm probably infertile for no reason. There's nothing to suggest that. No, I have no idea. I could be. I might not be. I have no idea. But it's just funny because I'm like, yeah, I've also had that thought. <laughs> <laughs> I might be. I might not be for no reason. Yeah, I think as a, literally no reason <laughs> as well as you get older. So like,
1: so obviously you leave school and then you go to uni and you go out and stuff like that. And then you'll have like the that cusp of leaving school. You'll have the first lot of people that might have kids and do it younger and then you get to then nothing really happens and then you get to your mid 20s and people start getting married and engaged and whatnot and then you have your second drop of like your first drop your first 1.5 like dropping kids <laughs> right And now as
0: you're like going into my 3rd I'm not going to lie to you. One of my my friends just had a kid. I'm just entering that stage. Like one of my oldest (laughs) friends just had a baby. And I'm like, shit, it's happening. happening. Well, yeah, because, you know,
1: when you left school, you have like the people that do have kids. Some do have them at like 18 and 19. My friend had a baby. She had, she had her baby at 19 and she's got three kids now. Four. She's got four kids. Three little babies. Four little babbies. And, um, so that happens and then there's nothing for a while and then you get the middle set and it's like 1.5 because it's those Yeah, people... I'm in the middle set yeah. right now. You know, it's like those people that you were in school with. I don't know. It's... It's sort yeah. of like an
0: extended. Having said that, I'm absolutely obsessed with my kid, my friend's kid, already, and i have not even met him. The... But I'm like sending more pictures. I want to see him. I want to see you. <laughs> and then you get into your 30s, and then
1: all your late 20s into your early 30s, and people really are starting to settle. And if you're not in a place where you're settled, it's like, oh my god, I, I'm not even having answered I'm not even having accidental scares. Am I infertile? Like, like it's like, yeah, I don't know. Not that that's the place where you want to be, but you want to be. I think <laughs> you want like an indication that it could happen. I don't know. It's like a really weird. Oh, it's like a really weird puzzle. I don't know. Uh... Look <laughs> at me. That's yeah, very confusing. It's so confusing. But then she does end up pregnant with Simon in the end, and it's it's an ongoing thread where she talks about I didn't want kids. Then Simon said that he'd have some with me. Because that happens somewhere in the mid... Somewhere there's a conversation about how he said he would have a family with her. And then they do have a family Mm -hmm. in the end, which I thought was quite lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, how did Alice and... Felix and Alice end in the end? Um...
0: They... Well... I don't think they end up together, do they? Oh, no, I think they do. Oh, yeah, no, they do. Yeah, so the book ends with Alice and Eileen making up. It then jumps forward 18 months, and we see that both couples are still together. The pandemic... Oh, yeah, because she mentions the pandemic. Yeah. the first book that I've read that, like, mentions the pandemic, and I was like, ooh, because they're, like, in lockdown. Um, And Eileen's just found out that she's pregnant, she's very happy about it. Um, Because, yeah, because everyone falls out, don't they? They have this, like, massive bust-up.
1: Oh, yes, Okay, We should probably talk about the structure of it. (laughs) As in, like... Eileen and Alice correspond for I get I'd say a good two thirds of the book, where Alice has had a sort of like breakdown, and she is back on the road. She's had this like whole mental breakdown. She's on, in recovery. She's bought this house, like in Northwest Island somewhere, I think Northwest. I'm guessing, and then. She has correspondence with Eileen. They say they're gonna meet up, they never really meet up, but then Alice goes jetting over the world, which upsets Eileen because it feels like Alice doesn't care about Eileen or what or their friendship. Yeah.
0: And Eileen's got that thing where she's like clinging onto the life they had in the city together in their twenties. Yeah. And Alice is kind of moving on with her life but Eileen's still in the city and she wants that like understandably wants that life still and Alice has obviously got this like bad relationship with the city now because she's like she had this breakdown and everything yeah. and I guess like Eileen probably reminds her of that slightly which is not Eileen's fault but that's just how it is and then yeah, yeah. eventually they do
1: meet and they go to Eileen's house, and they have like this. Is it like they're there for the weekend or something like that? But it's quite an intense weekend where everybody falls out. Yeah, with each other. A bit mental. a bit mental. <laughs> Very Sally Rooney. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it was good though because that that's where I feel feel like Felix really came into his own.
0: <laughs> so why oh, did you come to I see Alex? It's just such yeah. good I mean, he's had he's definitely got his flaws, but he's like excuse me if I uh, if you wanted Alice to come to you why don't you come see her and I'm like oh and there's the tea oh, sip because oh. there is I don't know there is a bit of a like if someone moves away there's a bit of an expectation that they'll come back to visit but like actually it's true like why don't you just go and visit them as well yeah I think there's that fair
1: sort of um not, it's not a balance but like if you move away it's always that person that has to maybe make more of an effort to keep in contact with people back home because obviously everyone back home is just falling into their lives yeah um so like they're falling into their every day and i'm guilty of it on both ends um, I've gone away and maybe I, I've been too present in where I am now and don't keep in contact I'm bad at we know this I'm bad at keeping contact with people anyway and then there's also the other side like some of my best friends live elsewhere and I might be maybe not talk to them as much as I should do mm-hmm. and the effort is me it should be me as much as it is them as well because they are because yeah, they be are the way, that yeah. make, you know, they should be the ones to make as much eff- more effort if that makes yeah. sense yeah that's not fair
0: yeah but Ellie talks to me guys because she has to so yeah I have to I'm the chosen one sorry I'm very privileged sometimes you know if we don't have podcast stuff to talk about she does ignore me so don't worry I get the same treatment as everyone else (laughs) (laughs) no I sent you tweets we talk
1: across many platforms Kath, I'm constantly sending you memes
0: sometimes we do have about four conversations going on at once and I can't we'll have like work conversation whatsapp um Twitter, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> Sometimes we'll have the occasional TikTok. Yeah, but that's via WhatsApp.
1: So. Yeah, that's via WhatsApp. Yeah.
0: But yeah, we've talked for ages now, so maybe we should end. Yeah, guys, this was our
1: anniversary episode. I hope you liked it. It's a bit deep. It was a deeper than I guess. We a bit, a bit chaotic. But yeah. But-
0: what else could she want from us? Nothing, guys. <laughs> We're always chaotic. <laughs> Not always chaotic. Our lives are pure chaos. <laughs> My life is anyway. Oh no, Ellie has it. Ellie has it a lot more together than me, guys. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't say
1: that. <laughs> pure chaos. Uh, you know, like that. Um, oh, oh, I spoke about Encanto last episode, but like I sent you a link to that Metro article. Yeah, I saw and that. And, and I, I always found, so you have, um, going back to Encanto, I'm sorry, it's so good. You've got Louisa. It's a cast, let's watched it now so we can talk about it properly. You have Louisa and you have Isabella. I loved it, guys. So good. And you know, you got one that's the strong one, one that's the perfect one, but I also almost feel that they overlap
0: in some ways as well, a lot. So I, I was. I think everybody could probably relate to one of those being one of those siblings yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah,
1: yeah, being the one that knows everything and having to oh, how how Dolores can hear a pinch can hear everything that's going on and not want to like combust. I know, I
0: know, but yeah, I quite like to know everything that's going on there. It's quite nosy. Yeah, that's probably why she. Could I
1: wonder how they know, like, how to give it. And she's like, she was just probably a very nosy child, and now she, that is the gift that she's been given, and it's like that's a big gift because sometimes you just want quiet.
0: Must... Yeah, but she must hear Bruno in the walls. Oh, no, she did. She mentions that's it. Really... She says
1: that the vats talk.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Just like I can hear the vats talk, and then it's it's Bruno. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway. Cool. Wow. This was lovely. It's, the sun is shining on my face, which is great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Window, that's what you
1: are. My shining star. Uh, uh, uh. Sorry, guys. Oh. I really enjoy air So Also, I just need
0: spring now, guys. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, we're not going to be negative. We're going to be positive. It's going to be a good day. The sun is shining, probably won't be shining on the day we drop this episode because we said it's shining now, so we'll jinx it. But hopefully the sun will be shining soon, and yeah, we hope you enjoyed this. And there might be a little bit of bonus content for you, but I'm not going to promise anything because that requires us to record it, and we haven't done that yet. So, yeah. It's going to be a good one if we can get our crap together.
1: Yeah. Um, So I'm excited for it.
0: Cool. Cool. Okay,
1: love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. And that's the app. If you like the episode, please leave us a lovely review, subscribe, and share with your friends, and we'll love you forever. <laughs> Follow us on socials at We Are Bookish Pod. Thanks for listening.